Hello, my name is Elizabeth Radisma, and this is my mom, Darissa. The Old Testament reading is found in Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. The word of the Lord. Hi, my name is Oscar Wilson. The New Testament reading is found in Romans 8, 18 through 21. That's why I don't think there is any comparison between the present and hard times and the coming good times. The creation of the world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is begin, wait, everything in creation is begin more or less held back. God reigns and it in it in both creation and all creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi, my name is Jonah. And this is my dad, Aitan. Thank you for standing for the gospel reading found in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. During the rule of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was a descendant of Aaron. They were both righteous before God blameless in, observing, in their observance of all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to um, become pregnant, and they both were very old. The Gospel of the Lord. Remain standing as we pray. So, Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your work in us. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to let your word come alive in us today and wake, awaken our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Well, it's wonderful to, see, uh, to hear the children reading the scriptures to us this morning. They're going to be involved in, in serving communion as well uh, later in the service. This is the first Sunday of Advent. Now, you've heard that a few times now this morning, and you might be thinking, I don't know what that means. I thought it was just a Sunday after Thanksgiving. Well, it is that too. But there is this way of marking time that's known as the church calendar, and different parts of the church calendar came into being uh, throughout different seasons of the church, uh, of church history. They added to it along the way, and now we have this, uh, this really kind of developed way of marking time that really is in sync with the events of the life of Christ. So the church calendar is really an invitation to center your life on the life of Christ. It's an invitation to center your life on the life of Christ. It's not something you must do. It's not, not something you have to do. I was thinking this morning of the message paraphrase of Matthew 11, where Jesus says, if, uh, if, you're, burned out and weary, if, you, if you're weary and burned out on religion, come to me, walk with me, keep company with me, and you'll learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I think this is a way of keeping company with Jesus. We all keep time in different ways. We keep time by, by saying, not just in the minutes 
and the hours, but we think, well, how many days until the weekend? And then how many weeks until my vacation? And then how many weeks until I can ski? And then how many weeks until the snow stops again? You know, how many weeks until we see the sun again, you know, and it warms up? How many weeks until camping season? You know, that, however it may be, we all mark time in particular ways. And those are not evil. They're not bad. They're not carnal or anything like that. But the church calendar is a way of saying, how can we keep time in a way that helps us keep company with Jesus? And so throughout the church year, we're saying, okay, Advent, this is our way of anticipating the birth of Christ. And then Christmas, we, we mark the birth of, birth of Christ. And then there's this little season called Epiphany where we, we think of the Magi bringing their gifts and we see Christ revealed as King. And then there's, this, there's a little break and then there's a season of Lent where we begin to prepare for the suffering of Jesus and we enter Holy Week and there's this ramp up to Good Friday and Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday which then kicks off this long season of Easter. The Easter lasts seven weeks, and it's followed then by Pentecost Sunday, the giving of the Spirit, the birth of the church. And so as we keep time this way, it's a way of keeping company with Jesus to say, Lord, keep our hearts fixed on you. So Advent is really the start of the new year. So in some ways, church, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Here we begin again, the journey of the anticipation, the preparation for Bethlehem that will then culminate with the giving of the Spirit and the sending of the church. Advent is a season of waiting, of longing, and preparing for Christ's arrival. Now I know you're thinking, well, well, Glenn, is this sort of just kind of remembering? Are we just going back? Why are there words in here about anticipating and longing and, and waiting? I thought it's already happened. Well, yes. So this word advent comes from the Latin word adventus, which very simply means arrival. But actually, as Christians, we stand between two arrivals. We know that Christ has come, and we, we mark this at Christmas with his birth in the manger. But we also know, we just said it in the creed, he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. So his first arrival is one uh, that, we, that we mark with this humility, and it's, a, it's an indication of his sacrificial life and death that's about to happen. But his second appearing, if you will, is about glory and about his kingdom arriving in fullness. The first waiting, then, for the first people in the Old Testament, the first people of God, was kind of like waiting in the dark. I don't know, any kids in the room, you ever wake up in the middle of the night? I know none of you do that, right? Just, Just my kids... If you wake up in the middle of the night and it's still dark and you're wondering what time it is, you have no frame of reference, you have no clue. Is it morning? Is it time for breakfast? Why is my tummy growling? And so you just start screaming, right? That's what, that's what my kids do. Let's just, start, let's just start screaming, Mom! Because I'm waiting in the dark and I have no clue what's going on, so I just need someone to come. This is a little bit of what it must have felt like for the people of God, waiting for God to finally do what he said he would do. Many scholars call this period that leads up to the birth of Christ 400 years of silence because there was no prophetic word. There was, they had come back from exile, but they were still living under Roman rule. And so here they are saying, God, when are you ever going to do what you said you were going to do? It was a kind of waiting in the dark, waiting for a dead end to become a new beginning. And yet, for us as Christians, our waiting is more like waiting in the light. 
Our waiting is more like waiting in the light because we know what happened. We know about Bethlehem and Calvary. And so our kind of waiting is more full of hope. Paul says it this way in Romans 8. This is the message paraphrase. He says, that's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Imagine this picture. Paul's saying all of creation itself is groaning. It can hardly wait. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment. I mean, what a picture that God is sort of holding it back. And wait, there's going to come this moment where he says, okay, go now. Can you imagine? To the mountains, to the Rocky Mountains, to Pikes Peak. Go ahead and be now the glorious mountains you were meant to be. Could you imagine that moment? holding it back until they're ready to be released in the same moment into the glorious times ahead. And then Paul says, meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All right, can you say it together, joyful anticipation? Say it with gusto. Joyful anticipation. That was well done. That's what it means to wait. For us, we are not waiting in the dark as it was before Bethlehem, but we are now waiting in the light with a kind of joyful anticipation. Maybe you can think of it this way. Advent is when the remembered joy of Christ's first arrival awakens the anticipated joy of his second arrival. The remembered joy. We look back and we think, I remember what an amazing moment that must have been. And it awakens in us an anticipated joy and say, the birth of Christ, because of his life and death and resurrection, will one day mean the birth of new creation. Amen? So the remembered joy awakens an anticipated joy. It is, in a very real sense, Advent is a joy that helps us hope. Advent is a joy that helps us hope. A joy that says, look at this. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And, now, and then we begin to hope one day, one day he, he rules the world with truth and grace. One day we'll see this in fullness where all of the strife begins to cease. This is the destination we are headed to and that's why Advent is not just a season of waiting and longing but also one of preparing what it means to begin to prepare our hearts. Now, I don't know uh, what it takes for you to prepare yourself to go somewhere, uh, but I do remember life without kids, this is all we used to do uh, to decide that we wanted to go out. Hey, you want to go out? Let's go out. And then we leave. It's amazing. I mean, it's incredible. And now, with four kids, 11, and this is what it takes. Hey, do you want to go out for, for a meal? And there's this look of terror in my wife's eyes, and we're calculating, let's see, is this going to be worth the effort, you know? We're like, yeah, let's do it. Okay, we're going to do it. All right, kids, we're going to go. And then you've got to give them like a heads up, you know, like 30 minutes from now. And some of the kids are like, I have no clue what 30 minutes is, so I'm just going to keep playing, you know? And then it's like, it's time to go. Five-minute warning, two-minute warning. Okay, let's go. What? I don't know where my shoes are. What do you mean you don't know where your shoes are? I have no clue. Where did you have them last? I don't know. One pair, one, you know, one shoe is in the car. The other shoe is like in a, in a basket somewhere. And then we're getting in the car. And say, Do you have your coat? No, I don't have my coat. I don't need my coat. You need your coat. 
Why do I need my coat? I'm not cold. You will be cold. Trust me. And then you get in and, you, and then you're pulling down out the driveway and you're who's buckled? I'm not buckled. Why are you not buckled? I don't have a car seat. Who didn't? Who took the car seat out of the car? And so leaving becomes really difficult. Even when you have a good destination in mind. I mean, sometimes as parents, it's like, we're going to go get food, ice cream, it'll be fun, we're going to the zoo, we're going to a movie, whatever it might be, right? And as a parent, you know, if I could just get them to understand, I have a good destination in mind, so prepare yourself for the journey. And sometimes I think this, is must, this must be a little bit like what God feels with us, his kids, He's saying, listen, I've got a goal in mind. I've got a destination in mind. It's going to be glorious. Would you start preparing now? I don't know where my shoes are. Where's my coat? I have no idea. I don't need my coat. And God's like, prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. We're going on a journey. Advent, the life, the Christian life, lived between two advents, two arrivals, is a life of saying, God, because of your first arrival, because of your birth, I know that the end of the story is going to be glorious. Because of what we have seen of the life of Christ, we know that God is good and the ending is glorious. And so we prepare ourselves for this future advent. Does that help you imagine this? Yes? Yes? So this is not obviously something that is just for kids or just for... This is something that we are all invited to as a church to join in, to mark. But I thought it would be especially helpful here on Family Sunday to invite some folks up to help us imagine what this could look like in our homes. Some of you, this might be the first year that you might try to to mark Advent in your household, maybe with a bunch of roommates. Many of these practices could work uh, even in a house of of roommates. Others of you with your kids, you're thinking, well, I mean, uh, there are only two or three, but maybe we'll try to do something. So I want to invite up my wife, Holly. Packing, come on up, babe. And then I want to invite up Ian and Brianna Spear. Many of you know the Spears. They've done some great work on a, on a resource site that I think will be very helpful to, um, to all of us. And so would you welcome them as they come up? So I'm going to ask them just a couple questions and have them share with you. And part of the reason for this is so you can know just different stories, different perspectives of what this may or may not uh, look like in your home. So, hey guys, welcome. Um, Tell us, Bree, looks like you've got the mic, so tell us first, um, in what way has Advent become meaningful for for the Spear family? Definitely. Um, So our Advent journey started about four years ago. It was our first Christmas here in Colorado and at New Life downtown, and it started because of our amazing pastor, Glenn and Holly, and um, your guys is sharing your journeys, what resonated in our hearts, because the couple years before that, you know, we were just young parents. We had two-year-old, one-year-old, you know, just in the throes of it, but that just desire to make the season meaningful, you know, and truly focused on Christ was there, but every time we'd get through the day after Christmas, we were like, oh, you know, we got caught up in the frenzy. We had the best intentions, but it just, right. it wasn't, right. it wasn't what we were looking for. So our first Advent Christmas here, it was simple. We started really simple with the Advent wreath, prayers, focusing on the themes. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but it, it was wonderful. It was beautiful. It really was an anchoring rhythm that mm. grounded us mm. and 
helped us slow down and center our hearts and minds on Christ. For yeah. us, individually, as a family, it was just really, really meaningful. That's it was awesome. wonderful. That's awesome. Um, I resonate with some of what Bree said in that I think it has been a temptation for me and still is at times to get caught up in kind of the commercialization of Christmas and you know, we, we love having people over and we love celebrating and gift giving and all of that. So it's not bad or evil, but I think in some years past, we would get to Christmas and realize that's about all we had done. And we hadn't really thought much about Christ until the Christmas Eve service and, um, that not feeling fulfilling and, um, but what we really wanted and very meaningful as Bree had said. Um, and so I think being able to go through a process of journeying through Advent helped bring um, more of a spiritual meaning to our family. And another thing that I've thought about recently is that when we kind of just drop into Christmas with the birth of Christ, it's sort of like jumping into the middle of a book at a certain event that happens. But if we take a step back and kind of look at Jesus's lineage and his the salvation story of where it began in the beginning, and there's different devotionals that will kind of take you through this journey. Um, you might have heard a term called the Jesse tree. So it traces Jesus's lineage. Um, it kind of helps us as adults and our children see the bigger picture. Yeah. And we see the prophecies of Jesus through this time period up yeah. until Christ. And it just brings more meaning. That's awesome. That's great. Okay. So there's a lot of families in the room today or, uh, and, and maybe some of them are wondering what are some practical things we can do or even for folks you know, it doesn't have to be with kids many of these things can be done just in, in any home so Ian talk to us a little bit about some of the practices that you guys do and that you've found you know to be helpful and oh yeah both of you yeah breathe first okay, okay. Yeah. no I was just I was quickly going to touch on the advent wreath because that's where we started and it's kind of I feel like that foundational element of kind of bringing the practice into your home mm, um good so we have the reef up there. You know, you have three purple candles, one pink and a white in between. And basically, it's simple. Like the first Sunday of Advent, we're going to light the first purple candle and be thinking about the theme of hope this week. We do that every night as a family and pray. And with additional weeks, you're lighting two candles, two purple, thinking about peace and then joy and then love until on Christmas Day, you're lighting the white candle. And the beauty of that is it's like every day, first, maybe you're having more family meals, but you're you know, you're focusing on Christ at the evening of every day. And also what I love about the reef, and I talked about my kids, is a symbolism of when we're lighting the reef and saying the prayers at night, people, believers all over the world are doing the same thing. That's cool. And yeah. have throughout history. So that's a big one. That, that's huge, Bree. Let me just, you know, highlight that because we talked about this as a way of centering on Christ, but it's also a way of connecting with the wider body of Christ. And saying, look, as we do this, yeah, believers all around the world are doing this as well. Great, yeah. So another thing that we do, I wanted to mention, um, to enter into the rhythms of the season is we let our musical selections reflect um, the themes of Advent. So in addition to the Christmas carols and the winter songs that we all um, hear at this time of year, we try to mix in some songs that reflect the hopefulness of Advent and the joyful anticipation and even some of the longing and the waiting that we feel in this um, season. So if that's something that resonates with you, I have two uh, recommendations. Um, one is Advent Volumes 1 and 2 by The Brilliance. Um, we love those albums. We've got both of them. They're on repeat in our car and in our house right now. 
Um, and another one, which I just discovered thanks to Holly and Sally Clarkson, is uh, Joel Clarkson's Midwinter Carols, which is just a beautiful instrumental piano rendition of some ancient carols, which um, I think is wonderful. It's appropriate for both Advent and Christmas. So music is one way, is, is an additional way that we cool. um, reflect some of these themes. It's awesome. Go ahead. As I kind of mentioned a little bit about the Jesse tree, we have just a small little artificial tree that we put up um, with things that the kids want to put on it, you know, fun multicolored lights and things. But we, um, so we have this tree kind of, and we're able to put ornaments on it that the kids color. Um, there's a devotional by Ann Voskamp that we've been using for a couple years called Unwrapping the Greatest Gift. And it's really beautiful, and it has a devotional for every day, and then it has a printable ornament that... So it's really something that they can do and be somewhat entertained by um, while we're trying to read the devotional and trying to keep them from running around with candles or something catching on fire, something like that. It's become a little easier, but just so you know, if you have really little ones, I think it's valuable to plant these seeds, even if you think, are they even getting any of this? Does this even matter? That I think the more you do it little by little, they'll, they'll pick it up and it will become more a part of their heart. Yeah, I love that with the wreath. You know, like we think of lighting a candle as like a monastic moment. But when everyone, who has, you know, little kids, it's fire, you know? So it's like, ah! um, But it is true. So as much as you can give them like a craft or something to do while they're listening to the, the, the story being read. The, and the Anne Voskamp book is tremendous because there's a reading each night that... Uh, kind of walks you through the story. I'm not, honestly, I, I, some of my favorite things, even as an adult, is reading children's stuff that was quote-unquote created for kids, right? I love the Narnia books. I love all, right? And, and, and um, the, the Voskamp uh, devotional, honestly, for adults, is just an amazing way to uh, cr- creatively relive the story and kind of uh, enter it from the, the, the Jesse tree ideas, Isaiah 11, it says, he will cause a root to spring up from the stump of Jesse. In other words, there was a dead end in the story. It should have been over. And just when you thought it was over, God made a way where there seemed to be no way. So it's a beautiful thing to kind of explore that uh, in your home. Okay, so so much of this, you you can already kind of hear it. So much of this is about discipleship, about discipling our, our kids, discipling one another, letting discipleship begin in the places that we live, whether that be with roommates or with our families. But it's very easy for these things to become inward practices where any kind of spiritual devotion, it doesn't take very long before it has this sort of inward momentum. So how can Advent, for all three of you, how can Advent have an outward momentum? How can it push us outward to think of of others? Yeah, so one of the things that we worry about this time of year, and I know this is true of a lot of parents, is the, sort of the press of culture and commercialization and the focus on getting things. Um, and so our kids are now a little bit older. They're three, five, and seven. And so one of the things that we're going to try this year is a family giving list. And so here's my vision for it, and we'll see if it actually pans out this way. We're going to get a big piece of butcher paper and spread it out on the dining room table and get out our crayons and markers and maybe some cookies and hot cocoa and sit down and really think about other people in our lives, people whose lives we touch and um, the ways that we can bless them. And not, not simply in material ways, maybe through a homemade craft, maybe through an act of kindness, maybe through a, a thank you note or a card or something like that. Um, and, I, you know, we're going to put it up someplace and we're going to remember that 
this is part of you know what we do in this season mm. to get the focus off of ourselves and to mm. pay attention to others. Bree, you want to add something to that? Or? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. <laughs> no um, yeah, and also I think from the giving list, like we're going to try, again, starting simple, and it should resonate with your family, but this is our fifth year, so we're going to try a couple feast days. Mm -hmm. And the Feast of St. Nicholas is a time where we're going to try to make some like red gift bags where our kids can pick a couple friends to give gifts to because it's hard for kids to focus on giving gifts on Christmas Day when they're getting gifts. They can be excited about that, so picking a different day to do it, which happens December, December 6th. And then the Feast of Feast Day of St. Stephen happens the day after Christmas, and we've been working with the refugee family, with Lutheran Family Services, so we're going to bring them stuff, awesome. maybe gifts and cookies, and um, so that's a couple awesome. ways. Awesome. Great idea. So for all of our team members who are here, you'll be getting an email about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I resonate with what they're saying, and I think for each of us, whether we're single or have children, um, you know, maybe it's, it's a neighbor or someone that you mm -hmm. don't see very often. That would be, you know, an idea would be to reach out and kind of find out how they're doing. Um, a question that we try to ask each season is, um, how can I be the answer to a longing in someone else's heart? So whether that be, you know, someone you see close to you or whether it be through uh, an organization here in town, we have so many that we're connected through and have relationships within our church. Um, like Springs Rescue Mission, the Dream Centers, uh, Mary's Home, um, or maybe for you it's you have connections or long to give in an, in an international capacity through compassion or world vision. There's so many different ways, and I think we can think about what might connect to our children. Um, some years we have looked at those. You've probably seen there's gift catalogs through different organizations that work in different countries, and it shows you if you want to donate money for um, a chicken or a goat to support a family to start a business or to meet their needs of their family. Mm -hmm. um, that can be a way to open our kids' eyes to the needs around the world if they haven't you know been read about that or been to a foreign country or yeah. really have any way of being able to see that and writing notes to missionaries or you know we, we've done that in years past with some families that we know that are overseas I think there are a lot of ways that we just sort of say why don't we build this in and and some of you will think well isn't this like the busiest time of the year how on earth are we going to do all of this in addition to and I just want to say straight up you won't <laughs> you won't uh, in fact, there are like um, specialists who, who, who study how people, the gap between our actions, behaviors, and things like that. And one of the things they say is if you don't reprioritize, you'll never actually own something that you value. You'll become aware, you'll ponder it, you'll value it, and then you won't do anything different until you actually reprioritize. So the biggest thing, and Evan said it this morning uh, during joy time, the biggest reason why at, at, during Advent at church we we pull back on different activities is because we're committed to not cluttering your calendar in December. So we're not going to have a lot of extra things. And our, our exhortation is, think about things that you can trim out so that you can do some of these things, so that you can make room uh, for, for some of these, these practices. I love the idea of becoming the answer to someone else's longing. Advent, you know, one of the things that's powerful about this is there is a, a joy in Advent, but there's an ache in Advent. Uh, for many people, the holidays, quote-unquote, are a very painful time. You're reminded of sadness. You're reminded of loss. And so Jingle Bells has nothing to say to our ache in the midst of the holidays, right? But Advent does because Advent says the whole of creation is groaning for the arrival of 
King Jesus. And so there is a way of saying, maybe I'm not experiencing an ache in a profound way, but I know someone who is, and so how can I become an answer to someone else's longing? I wanted to draw your attention to a couple things. At the, um, uh, uh, at the guest table, the welcome table out in the lobby, you can get one of these cards, and it gives you the four words that Bree mentioned for the four Sundays of Advent, also with three sets of prayers. So it could be something simple. You say, you know what, I just want to pray one of these prayers each of the Sundays uh, during Advent. This is a great resource. It's, we've, we've printed out a bunch of copies so that you can have them. And then for families, we've, we've um, put this in your little bag here. It's a little family Advent calendar. It gives a, a suggestion of something you might do uh, together or read together uh, each evening. Were you going to add something? I was just going to say that it's possible that you might be sitting here thinking, okay, you're just giving me all these ideas of all this stuff to do. So it's kind of adding to everything. But maybe for you, especially if this is new, that maybe it's one thing that you pick one devotional to read daily or one person or someone that you can give to so that it doesn't kind of only end up contributing to what we're not... To the stress, yeah. To the stress of things and what we're not trying to do. And I just want to promote Ian and Bree's website called... keepingadvent.com. It's a wonderful website that's all about Advent, obviously, and it has lots of resources for families, um, some devotionals that are more geared specifically for adults. Um, The music list on Spotify is on there, and if you're just kind of wanting to understand the church calendar a bit more, too, there's information on there about that. It's just a great great website. Really well done. All right. Thank you, panelists. Well, the goal of everything we do as a church is to come back to Jesus. The point of any practice is Jesus. And if it doesn't help us keep company with Jesus, then we don't need it, right? This isn't something to do because we should. This is an invitation of Jesus saying, come, walk with me, work with me, keep company with me. So we're getting ready to come to the table this morning as we do each week. Uh, Would you uh, bow your your heads and, and prepare your hearts now? As we think about the table, we think about the life of Christ. Jesus, as one of the carols says, born to die, came into this world to, for us and for our salvation, as the creed says. And so to contemplate this life of sacrificial love, the Son of God, God with us, and to begin to say, so would you work in our hearts and prepare us so that we could become more like Jesus during this season of Advent. Let's pray this prayer of confession together.